Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. Going live. I think we've lost your video, JT. That's all right. I'll get back in in a second. It's uh, 10.30 on the West Coast, 1.30 on the East Coast. Value After Hours. With uh, Jake Taylor, Bill Brewster, and me. What's happening, fellas? Not much, man. How are you? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of volatility in the market. We Lucky we started doing these things live two years ago when uh, March 2020. Might get another go at it. Is that a big call, do you think, from here? I don't know. Show might get interesting again. (laughs) (laughs) Two years of boring for everybody. Yeah, we probably didn't need to be live through that whole period. Sucktown's in the house. There you go, JT. (laughs) Not just Jake. Okay. I mean, this shit's been going on forever. I've been talking about it for like five months. What has? an insane drawdown in different spots. I've, I literally feel like I've been talking about it for five months. I haven't heard you say anything like that. Yeah. Oh well, I guess uh, I guess I haven't been here. Hasn't I haven't seen that in any index, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Spice well, that's because the big tech names aren't cheap, and they hold the are aren't expensive, and they hold the index up. Uh. What do you such if, a drawdown for ants? If you're gonna if you're gonna hedge this, how would you go about hedging it? I don't know, man. This goes back to the Google conversation. Like, I, if you're gonna argue to me that it grows five percent for five years, I'm gonna tell you it's an asset allocation question because it's basically a big cyclical call. The the oh, we're talking spy. The index goes grows five percent for five years. No, I'm talking back to yet to last week's Google conversation. If we're if if like people are like, is this where we are in the world? Like a couple people on YouTube were like, uh, is this where we are? We're at a point where people can't even fathom Google growing at five percent. And I said, give me a bottoms up way. And the only answers that I perceive to be somewhat legitimate are top down. So it's an asset allocation question. Go to cash and enjoy getting destroyed by inflation in the meantime. And yeah, I hope no you're right answers. on the call. Since we already brought up the Google thing, a couple follow-up corrections, errors, omissions. Yes, everyone and their mother telling me that I needed to be adding cash back. I know I messed that up. I'm sorry. I've done a thousand Hail Marys to, to atone for it. Um, the other interesting thing There's that came from that- some fathers there too. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, the other interesting thing was uh, Mr. Malbosan chiming in with a, a paper that had come out this last summer uh, that they published that talked about base rates, but with intangibles added as another kind of Bayesian update to it. And um, I'm probably going to maybe do a segment on it more fully maybe next week, but um, very interesting. Uh, some, we'll get into that probably hopefully soon. I don't want to spoil it today. I you just the blue think blockers on, about- Billy? What? You got the blue blockers on? Yeah, dude, from Twitter. Shout out to the team at Twitter. Does it work? I like it. It's a solid prophylactic. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of like it. Um, I just think with base rates, uh, I, I really think it's got to be contextualized. And especially when you overlay the idea of such a few amount of securities generating most of the return in the market. Um I, I just don't really think base rates apply to things like Google. And you know what? That's famous last words. But I, I think that looking at Google and saying base rates apply is like looking at Albert Pujols when he's 25 and saying, well, he's got to bat 250 eventually. It's true. After his whole career. Do you think? Um... Yeah, but OK, let's let's draw that analogy a little bit farther. And do you sign Pujols to that 
15 year contract. Look, this is what I think which I know. Which is a little bit of what some people have I done think with I underwriting long term cash flows. I think I know that if you consistently try to avoid Albert Pujols, you go out there with a bunch of average players. And if I'm going to go out there with a bunch of average players, I'm turning it all over to, to a computer. Because I, I don't I don't see what discretionary edge comes in picking a bucket of value stocks. I absolutely fundamentally don't see it. I think a computer can do it better. So like for me, I'm looking for the outlier because I think that's where like creativity can actually have an edge. Yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I think um, insights can come from those kind of things for sure that wouldn't show up quantitatively necessarily yet. Yeah. I mean, look, I like, what do I, what would I worry about with Google decreasing market share of search worldwide? I mean, they own like 95% of search in a number of countries. Uh, If somehow I thought that search could go away for them, I would be really concerned. Uh, You know, if YouTube massively decelerated or lost cultural relevance, like I would worry about that. If they stopped investing in things like other bets, I'd worry about that. Uh, You know, but I don't, uh, those, those aren't, it's not happening in the next five years because the, the debate is really about 20 years from now. It's not even about today or tomorrow, or I mean, shit, if it happens in five years, you have a, might as well cut the stock by 70%. And I, I don't, I don't think it's a high probability event because I think it's, for lack of a better term, the infrastructure of information. And I think replicating that is really fucking hard. I saw Apple it was can the try websites, and uh, Google.com was on top. Well, one thing that surprised me is Facebook was bigger than Instagram. What Facebook Blue? We just said Facebook.com. On what? It was just a ranking of the biggest websites. And uh, Google was number one. YouTube comes in at three or two. And Facebook was up there, but Facebook was bigger than Instagram. I just thought that was just surprised me a little bit. Blue uh, consistently is surprising with the data on how sticky it is. I, I think communities did a big, like that was a big, it's kind of weird because I don't ever use them, but uh, it's obvious that a lot of other people do. Uh, the marketplace is crazy. Uh, if you try to sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace, it goes. And um, I don't know for the rest of the world, Facebook. I mean, there's there's uh, the man, the science of hitting. He's he's got something a chart where there's answers where like the question is Facebook is the internet, and people say yes. Mm. Like that, you know, so like it's not even the association that the Facebook, that uh, internet exists outside of Facebook. It's crazy. But the other thing that I like about those businesses is if you think EM has a higher growth probability than the US, like they are global. And especially if you think the dollar is going to go down, um, it's some sort of natural hedge. That said, most of the earnings come in dollars, so it's not like a perfect hedge at all. I don't know, man. My answer is you go to cash if you think if you think a crash is coming or or some some negative stuff, but you're gonna have to stare inflation prints right in the face. Yeah, there's nothing easy. I had a look around on the weekend just trying to find not not knowing any, that anything was gonna not that, not knowing there was gonna be some volatility today, obviously, just like looking out to see if there was any just because I like cheap hedges, not not necessarily predicting anything and there's nothing that i could see that was like screamingly cheap everything looks expensive to me well some SaaS is down i mean i don't know i don't no, i mean hedges yeah no but, i know but i'm just saying like the time to look was a while ago grantham was right look at that what was he right about uh i'd need to go back and timestamp when he came out about the everything bubble and stuff but i mean there's a lot of SaaS companies that are down if, if you factor in sales growth plus multiple compression, 70%, I mean, that's a correction. Yeah. So how would you, you hedge that? You, you would have had to go into the, like the software index or something like that. 
here are just by individual names, right? Like deep out of the money puts on individual names. But now the vol is so high, it probably doesn't make sense. I think the vol was pretty high then too. Maybe a lot of cool it always seems waste. high when I want to do that stuff. I'm always like, I don't want to pay the vol. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have done it there anyway, because it can go to zero. But um, I, I always look at options and I never like the, the VIG I got to pay. Yeah. I mean, it was 2015 was cheap. They were super, super cheap in some of those big names, but haven't seen that for a little while. Too, there's way too much vol. Everybody, all the punting and options is sort of blown all that space up. Funny thing is VIX is, I mean, last, I don't know where it is today, but it was like 20-ish over the weekend. It's yeah. relatively quiet. That's about the long run average. The internals, uh, the internals of the leaders aren't great. I probably new things are leading, which is why the index is fine, but. We'll so see. You, market goes down 50%. UVXY goes up 10X. What's UVXY? Is that ultra short VIX? Oh, sorry, ultra long VIX? Yeah, but is this one of these things that like it's a day trading instrument and if you hold it over... Uh, Overnight, it's gone. Yeah, you're like, fuck. <laughs> and that's, Yeah, that's what a lot of those things are. Yeah, VIX, yeah, short-term futures. I don't know. I would highly, highly encourage people to figure out what they actually own if they're trading that thing. Good luck. (laughs) That'd be a first. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like all those those triple levered ETFs, like uh, people way smarter than me are like, no, those are day trading vehicles. You can't own those things. Well, at some point they start going up a lot. Yeah, but then, but I think the issue is the fees that you're paying to hold them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't actually know. But do we have any formal topics for today? Yeah, I do. I, I had a um, Greenwald had this nice little bit on moats. Uh, we tweet, we put it on the blog and tweet. I tweeted it out this morning. Um, kind of interesting analysis. He, he, I'll, I'll get into it when we get into it, but. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think I've seen this before, and I thought it was a. I thought it was a pretty good one. So I, I, I want to talk about that. Was it market share capture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when he does that. That was clever, and he he said the the point that he made is that uh, he said Buffett's a bit coy about how you actually go about determining them, but he said it's pretty straightforward. I don't know if anybody's ever tested that, but I, I yeah, I hadn't seen that before. I thought it was a good one. Anyway, I'll, I'll talk about it when. At the appropriate time, it's not really timely. That's the only thing. It's I worry about doing too much timely stuff. At some stage, we're going to get some real volatility here, and we're going to be talking about what's going on that day. But it's it's still not real volatility. (laughs) Yeah, just sharpening the axe until then. I guess. I just I I think you guys aren't looking below the surface enough. I mean, there's crazy volatility out there. Crazy. Dude, you know we're messing with you, right? We've we've been hearing you for, for complaining about it for months. I've been talking about arc topping out on February twelfth. Yeah, I know, but I'm just 13th. saying, like, officially fifty percent down now in the ARK. Is it really? Yeah. What is it? What is it? Is that sub eighty? What's? Yeah, I think it was like seventy eight or something. Seventy eight. Yeah, that. Well, yeah, that's fifty percent from one hundred fifty six. I probably could have figured that one out by myself. That checks out. I'll tell you what, my hot take <laughs> is Peloton off six percent today is not enough. If they're like actually closing in stores, you just made an acquisition. Now growth is slowing and you're talking about laying people off. Somebody said McKinsey restructuring. I don't know if that was a gag or if that was like what was actually going to happen. Yikes. Yeah. Tough, tough break to buy. And, you know, I mean, they acquired, what was it? Was it Nautilus? No, it wasn't Nautilus. Some other coat hanger. Yeah. No, it's they're they're everywhere. Um, I should be able to think about this. They're they do like a ton of gym equipment, but really sucks to go into an air pocket after you close on an acquisition. I mean, you really could argue that that Ooh. that COVID was a worse thing that could happen to Peloton. The guy from BMO actually made that argument. What really what's has the, what's made the argument? that argument? Well, just that you just all of a sudden get this absolute mad rush of demand and like. You and then expectations for, for yeah. your stock price that you're never going to live up to. And then world kind of goes back to normal. And you had this, like you staffed up, you, you know, 
did all of this stuff that now you kind of have to undo some of it to get back to your normal, reasonable trend line growth that you were on before you had a nice little thing going with a good culture and all that kind of stuff. And like uh, that kind of growth could just explode your, explode your culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Made a massive acquisition to get like uh, manufacturing in-house. Cultural landmine. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I was talking to my wife. I mean, one of the reasons that I've obviously been intrigued by the stock, but one of the reasons that I stayed away is uh, like the, the repricing of the bike down and then releasing a higher price bike. Like when you look at their advertising, it looks like they're slashing prices, which is discounting. I'm telling you, this thing reminds me of Under Armour. I've said it a couple of times, like Under Armour is fucking cool and people don't realize it because it sucks now. And managing a brand. Well, there goes our Under Armour sponsorship that we were <laughs> banking on. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if we'd want to be sponsored by Under Armour. I'd, Shout out to Eight Sleep. Y'all can sponsor us. Yes, we would. We'll take anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Bed Bath and Beyond can sponsor us. We'll hand out coupons. Bath bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've had insiders that are buying recently. It's a stock that uh, I have floated over the years and never dabbled with, but always looked at it and thought it was cheap. JT, you got a, you got a topic this week? I do. Uh, we're going to be discussing this thing called Lipinoff time. Lipinoff time. Yeah. So s- stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's when someone offends you, then it's Lipinoff time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. I pretty much just took up 15 minutes rambling through topics and thoughts. I will say my closing thought is. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yeah. You're going to claim minutes. that 15 minutes is yours. It's a lot of mine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, like, look, I think comments of trees Pretty don't cool. grow to the sky and uh, what can't go on forever won't. I, I, I used to be the guy that said that shit. Uh, I think they're lazy crutches and I would really encourage people to actually do work before they say it. Trees can't grow to the sky. There you go. I think we need some a hot take, Brewster, on... Uh... Chamath, since that's like the hot, hot news. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that I really want to wade into this. I offended people with foie gras the other week. What, what, uh, what could I possibly say other than dunking on him that people would be okay with? Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, if I had to have a hot take, I'd probably be like, why the fuck do people care what some guy that made a bunch of money social like hacking a growth algorithm on a fucking social network has to say about politics and get your head out of your ass with billionaire worship and half these guys aren't who you actually think they are. That might be my hot take. Secondly, I like that one. I don't actually think he's that wrong with how uh, politically it will play. I just think generally he's a sociopath uh that doesn't care about towing a line i can't believe that he said it and uh well they were know, i don't know the I th- time, I th- but- look i i think a real a real comment is to say that human rights and and what's going on with the uyghurs doesn't matter is absolutely insane to me as someone who grew up in a jewish household uh I think that like people really need to think about what's going on. And I think that uh, we all should be really honest about where we're buying things from. And I think that if you honestly are upset about what he said, then stop fucking buying stuff from China. It's almost impossible. We tried to buy some Korean Korean, um, face masks and uh, they arrived. They're all made in China. Yeah, I mean, it's tough and that's a power thing. So what, what's really the comment is China's got us all by the balls to the point that they can go out and do genocide and nobody does anything about it. That's terrible. It's disgusting. Was the point that he was making, not that I really want to get into it, actually, let's just keep on going. <laughs> what he was saying, what he, I think what he said, because I actually tuned into that podcast, even though I never do. I think what he was saying is like, look, politically, a statement on the Uyghurs is not going to move the needle. They were they were having a Thoughts comment. Thoughts and prayers. 
they, they yeah. were having a comment about politics and whether or not like uh you know what plays and what doesn't in america and you know i just uh I, I don't even necessarily think that he's wrong on what will move the needle politically. I think the fact that he said what he said and how he phrased it is, I hope he made uh, I hope he comes out and apologizes. Because, I think he's like, made an apology. Yeah. I mean, the shit led to a world war. I I hope that uh, it, you know, we can all agree. It's very serious stuff. Yeah, but I will re-up wanna... my sociopath comments and also his specs uh, suck performance wise which is nice to see i think he already got out the door on those before left someone else to hold that bag yeah imagine all the people like oh trust in him like fuck that shit whole cult cult of personality and finance it's disgusting it's funny how hot all of these topics get like i someone someone reminded me that i had something nasty to say about beyond meat Right at the very peak of it, or not at the very peak. I was in June 2019. What'd you say? I think just everybody punting it at these levels has gone insane. Okay. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna, not gonna make it. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Like, I, I just about never see beyond being talked about as a, like, nobody, like, I could, I, what are you gonna go and do? Like, do a victory lap? Like, no one cares at this point. Yeah. It's hot. They're hot for like three, three months or so, and then they're gone. And you could just like, it's just like clockwork. I, I, like AMC is another one. Just makes me, uh, I'm just baffled by it. Like what, the, it, the, the, it got a ramp and now it's, now, now no one cares except all these people. There are still people in there still like hoping it goes to the moon. Not going to make it. That stuff I feel really conflicted on mm. because like, there's the part of me that says, like, I said this on an earlier podcast we had, like, there's a part of me that's like, let them all get rolled over. And then there's the other part of me that sees this woman's uh, picture on Twitter and she's got her little kid. And like that kid does not deserve a mother that's stupid. But he's got one. It's not maybe you'll learn some stuff from her. I don't know. But fuck, what a shitty card to be dealt. Well, I think I was. uh I happened to be on a call this morning with a little group with that had Arnold Vandenberg that was giving a talk. And um, he was saying people either learn through suffering or knowledge of basically like seeing other people suffering. Second derivative suffering. Yeah. Second derivative suffering. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's unavoidable and we could just try to be compassionate for everybody. That's going to be going through a lot of learning here. Yeah. Like that's the guy that needs to answer the Chamath question. Or Chamath, or yeah. Chamath, or whatever the fuck. I'm but sorry. What are you if doing in this stuff? Right. What What are you doing in this stuff anyway? Like, why are you in this stuff? They're in this stuff. They're gambling yeah. in this stuff. I know. That's why I feel bad for the kid and not the person. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, probably, you know, in some difficult financial straits too, and trying to get out doing that. But you know, that's just that's not the way to do it. Yeah, you buy options and that. <laughs> yeah, no, bad, you buy that. bad joke. More, more isometric. Dogecoin and ride that convexity, baby. Let's uh, let's do a little palate cleanser, JT. You want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Let's. let's... <laughs> All right. So this this topic is called uh, Lipanov time, and it's spelled L Y A P U N O V, and that was a is a Russian mathematician, and it, this has to do with complexity theory and and chaos, and it's like basically the amount of time that we can successfully predict the state of a chaotic system depends upon three things. Number one, it depends upon how much error we're willing to tolerate in the forecast. How much, number two, how precisely we can measure the initial conditions of the system. And then number three, a timescale beyond our control is called the Lipinoff time and, and it limits the predictability of a system. So roughly speaking, we can only predict up to that Lipinoff time. And after that, the arrows, the errors start to snowball to where they, it's basically has exceeded any allowable tolerance that we have, right? So um, you have then only two options. You can lower your standards of how you're, much you're willing to tolerate in the error of the forecast, or you can improve your initial measurements to 
extend that Lipinov kind of horizon um, and allow you to then predict longer as to what a chaotic system will do. So, but what's, what's difficult about this is that it's nonlinear. So if you have two X, if let's say that you wanted, uh, you wanted to be able to look out twice as long with the same accuracy of a chaotic system, it's not going to take two X the effort of getting better initial measurements. It's 10 X. And if you want three X further out, it's not three X or six X, it's a hundred X. And if you want four X, it's a thousand X that you need in initial measurement improvement. So it's this nonlinear, you know, basically like a factor of 10. So uh, it, it grows exponentially. <clears throat> so it, you can apply this then to different, uh, different domains. So like the, the, a chaotic electric circuit has the predict, like it's, it's lipping off window. It's it measurement is like one, 100th, one, one thousandth of a second is about how far out you can predict before the chaos, like the, the errors accumulate in a way where you can no longer predict like what the system is going to look like based on the initial starting conditions. How long? One, one thousandth of a second. Wow. That's what, what's, a, what's a chaotic electrical circuit? Uh, Thank if you, you Toby. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can get them a lot of different ways, but like if you, uh, put in like certain elements that will create like a randomness of like syncing between things. Like, um, like let's say it's like, it turns on or off depending on the other conditions of what the, what the other elements in it are doing. And it will then, it can like cascade out and you, you're not exactly sure. It's that same kind of like grain of sand, you know, like analogy where you're never sure which exact, like when it's going to run away from, uh, okay. So, now, with the, when it comes to weather, it, it's like we're roughly probably about a few days for that Lipinoff window, like where we can see the initial starting conditions. Like we, we know the cloud cover, we know kind of high and low pressure. And that gives us about a couple days worth of sort of like accurate predictions at, at, at the most. Um, we can predict weather forward a couple of days. That's, that's pretty good. I think most of the time that's I think they're reasonably accurate at this point, don't you? Um, now, when, when it comes to the solar system it's about 5 million years. So what that means is that we like during our lifetimes, the, the motion of the planets appears to be perfectly measurable and perfectly predictable. However, it actually, and, and actually over like the entire kind of known, you know, astronomy, it, it has been true that they have been predictable, but over more than 5 million years, there's enough errors that accumulate where we actually can't make very good predictions as to like where a specific planet might be 5 million years from now. Now, the, uh, it makes, it makes, it gives this illusion of predictability though, right? Because it feels like, you know, it, you know, Jupiter is where we think it's going to be during all of our lifetimes, but it's not actually true. So, uh, and then like Pluto's orbit, for instance, for whatever reason, like we have about a 20 million year uh, Lipinoff window for that. Like they're like, for some reason, like we know where Pluto's going to be with a relative accuracy 20 million years from now. So let's like bring this back to maybe something that we can all use. Like it's interesting as a framework, but um, like I'm trying to imagine what are the Lipinoff windows for macro predictions or, you know, even like this you know, AMC or whatever, that something is people are really hot on and interested in, like we can, we can work at getting better initial known elements of the the chaotic system, but within, you know, however amount of time like that, you lose that chaos, like you lose that understanding and the chaos unfolds to the point where the errors accumulate to where like, you just don't even know what the answer is going to be. Like, you don't know how the system is going to change. So like I, my hypothesis or my hunch is that the Lipinov window is much shorter than anyone imagines for a lot of this like macro stuff. Uh, and we like to think like we could look out a year. And even if you knew a lot of the initial conditions, and we've probably been getting better at that, like over time, like data collection, I would imagine. But remember, it's like it's exponential, the amount of data collection that you need, the effort required to extend that window out. So, you know, if you need hundred X data collection and accuracy to get doubling the window. Like I, I think that that like, we're probably a little bit like our, our intuition is off on that. Like we think if we measure everything in the whole goddamn economy that we can then make these accurate predictions as to like what it needs. Uh, 
you know, I'm putting on my federal reserve hat right now. Um, but really like that window is probably much shorter. It needs than lower what... rates. Oh, <laughs> oh, there we go. Problem, Problem solved. solved. Anyway, I don't know. Do you guys have any, is anything popped to mind on that of like what applications might be from thinking through how chaotic systems devolve away from what we could ever predict? It's interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder, um, is it impacted further by like a, a, a system like the stock market or a system like the economy where people are reacting based on the signals that they're getting to? So, you know, a prediction in one direction will make you behave in one way. Right. You- There's a Schrodinger's cat kind of situation there where you don't know the feedback loops and you don't know. If you think rates are heading up here, and that probably changes, you know, well, well, certainly, in you know, anybody who's anybody who needs has a commodity input into a business is always trying to hedge the commodity input, right? So if they think that they're unusually high or unusually low, they're they're trading around that, and if they're in, they don't, or, or if they think it's like closer to the long run mean of what they need, then they're probably unhedged at that point. So those behaviors are going to impact that system as well, just to make it even more complicated. Yeah. I hope people aren't doing that. I think they should have like a stated hedging policy and always stick to that. They definitely do that, don't they? I don't know. We used to bank some people that just ran unhedged and then we ran others that had stated hedging policy. We didn't really care as long as uh, you were consistent in what you did because otherwise you end up making like market calls and that's a good way to get upside down. Any sense of what what, kind of did better over that time period? There was one dairy company, and I wish that I could remember what their hedging was, but they did a little bit of what what Toby uh, is talking about, where they hedged at the extremes, and in the middle, they let everything run, Uh, and they did a very good job. I I pushed back on them a fair amount when I read their policy, and they showed me the data, and I was like, all right, you guys are right. I had an econometrics professor who had this idea that... uh, Basically, the only time to, to do anything with commodities was when they were at the extremes. Like the, it was unpredictable in the in the middles. But when you saw, you know, when when oil goes negative, then probably get long a ton of oil. Now you I tell think me. his theory. Yeah. That one was pretty easy. It was just the opportunity cost of doing it. Well, you don't have to do it through oil. Like do it through some other. That triple X uh, or three X. <laughs> Yeah. Covered bull oil ETF. <laughs> yeah, so you get blown out before you get right. I saw someone today say that, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was uh, like oil is the uh, natural um, interest rate in the economy. So when energy prices go up, that's like the natural handbrake. When energy prices go down, that's the hit in the accelerator. So the, like what the Fed does is sort of, uh, just around the edges of that. So it's kind of interesting with oil running up so much recently. Mm, yeah. So, so Fed should be lending to... Uh, to, <laughs> to oil. Uh, well, no, I was going to say... <laughs> to drillers. Most, yeah, to, to specifically to Oh, don't frackers. give me any ideas, JT. <laughs> <laughs> Let's goose this baby. I mean, what do you think about that as a thesis? Like oil running up is the thing that pops the bubble. I've, I've heard that before. I have, a fr- I have a friend who believes that to be what happened in 2008. So oil ran up to like 100 and whatever it was and popped the bubble. Where are we now in oil? What's Anybody it? know? I think it's in the 80s. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought that we were close. Yeah, somewhere. I don't it's not know. negative. I know, know Finchwit is very bullish on, uh, on oil. Which makes you n- nervous, right? <laughs> yes. Because it's all these generalist bozos. Not that they're bozos. I just don't think that they're, uh, if we want to talk about base rates, generalists getting into oil is tens, not to be great in my view. But yeah, it looks like the CME has 84, 84.56. I want to know how oil bounces around from zero to 100 and and the, the, the gas price at the pump always goes up. Well, I do live in California's. Uh, dude, I'll be I'll be very specific. I get nervous when generalists like something, and my buddy who made all his money in oil doesn't. That's that's when I get nervous. That's fair. Have you spoken to him recently? Does he have a uh, prediction for us? So I don't know. Somebody's saying I said something in fall of 2019. What did I, what did I say? 
I say a lot of shit. I forget a lot. <laughs> thank, God, thank God you forget most of it. It's what the weed's for. <laughs> All right, let's get into the uh, the um, your 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 Greenwald. Yeah, Greenwald. Greenwald. So I'm always looking for a little uh, a little hack for figuring out moats. Um, I've never really seen a good one. I've never really seen one that's particularly predictive, but this is interesting. I think it's kind of promising and the intuition of it kind of makes sense to me. That's from Bruce Greenwald. He says, uh, you look at what amount of money you need to be sustainable in an industry, what sort of how, how big you have to grow to get sustainable. And then you look at how much of the market you have to capture to get to that level of sustainability. And so he gives the example of um, cars and he says, that's a very, very big market. And at one or 2%, you can be sustainable in cars. And then he said, um, can I ask the- a question? It's that, that means like how much revenue you would need to drive to cover fixed costs or something like what's, what does he mean by that? He didn't actually dive into that. Um, but yeah, that I would assume that that's the case, What you need to earn a reasonable return probably. Okay. And so he said one or 2% is achievable in autos. And then um, the, the advantage you have in autos is that people buy, you know, a car is a one-off purchase decision about every seven to 10 years. And so you don't really have any, like, there's no habit, there's no lock-in, there's no loyalty. You might have some, if you have a particularly good car, but you, you're probably just looking for something new. And so you're open to different types of vehicles. And then he compares that with, um, with the soda Coke. And he says to get market sh- to get to become sustainable in, in whatever that's called, non-alcoholic beverages or something like that, you need 25% of the market, which seems extraordinarily high, but let's just take his number for the, for the moment because distribution is so hard to achieve. You need scale to get distribution. And uh, it's such a small purchase item that it is habit forming. And so people have a preferred brand that they buy repeatedly over and over and over again. It's very hard to get them to switch. So that's a, there's a much bigger moat in that segment than there is in autos. And so therefore that's how he's measuring the moat, which I thought was, I thought that was a really just simple, elegant way of, of making that assessment. It was, wasn't particularly intuitive to me that that would be the way that you do it, but having read it, I thought it's a good approach. Where do you write this? I've heard him say it before, but I I didn't. Bathroom wall. Yeah, we had He's got it on. That. He said it in his Columbia class. It was like a three day class that he said. It yeah, Johnny grabbed it and threw it up on the site. Uh, I just thought it was a good one. Yeah, it's interesting though because how would okay like you you want a profit pool at the end of the day as well, right? So how did like competition drives a lot of what profit pool is going to be available there. So I don't know. How do you factor that part in? Cause like, that's just total revenue, right. To percentage of market share, but that doesn't necessarily like if there's, it's a really fractured market, there's lots of people competing. Your price taker still, I don't know, like how much profits left over there. Cause that's, isn't that kind of what a remote really is, is the, a deep profit pool for you. Yeah. What does it mean to have a moat that you can, control your pricing yeah can you do that with autos i don't know but maybe maybe i don't know maybe that's not what it means maybe maybe just being able to survive in the industry yeah i think that i think that's what he's referring to because i think he's talking about measuring the i I think like in his coke example he's assuming there's profits for coke and he's trying to calculate um I almost think of it a little bit like Malbison's idea of a competitive advantage period. Um, like how long can this be chipped away at before your economics kind of go away? Yeah. Duration of moat. Yeah. So if it's going to be a long duration, then buy that one. But if it's not going to be long duration, then don't buy it. <laughs> and if it's something like Costco into a, into analysis like that, does Costco have a moat? Yeah, but I don't. Th- I don't know that it like applies to the same. I mean, I guess what you would want to look at is like member membership at- atrophy or something like that. Because um, it's 
you're looking at like GMV that goes through the system. I don't know. I, I don't know that it lends itself quite to that exact thought pattern, if that makes sense. Yeah, someone's saying WD-40, Brojo Lube. No, yeah. sorry, Blade. Yeah, WD-40 WD is a great mode. It's funny to see the, the whole aisle of WD-40 stuff now in, in the hardware store. Yeah. Because like, I, you buy a cancer, infra, oh, I buy a cancer infrequently. I, I bought one recently. I mean, I was like, oh, there's a whole aisle. The last one I've got is probably 25 years old or something like that. Yeah, but you're not going to buy anything else. Like, no. Why would you? That'd be crazy. I, I have a squeaky door. It needs WD-40. That's what it needs. Mm. Somebody could have squeaky door stuff right next to WD-40. There's no way I'm buying it. Yeah, squeaky door especially. You'd have to you'd have to like flavor it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this. I, I like that stuff that I think Greenwald's generally um generally a smart dude. Should have stayed away from Amazon. He would have had a lot better career, but he knows that. It was, it was short, wasn't he? Yeah, for a long time. I think I, I'm pretty sure he's announced publicly it cost him eight figures. Wow. I see someone saying today that well, it was a there's an article about Toby Lutke at shop um saying that this will be the first year that Amazon's revenues don't grow or revenues go backwards. Like I guess they got a tough comp from I, I'm not actually sure if that's 2021 or 2020, but they've got some tough comps. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. It's on my list. Of things that are going to happen this year? No, of, of, things uh, to buy? of things I have to deconstruct to figure out. I mean, sure. it would make sense. You got 2020, like literally everyone was locked inside. Like that's kind of the perfect retail environment for Amazon. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Uh, is this more applicable to very capital intensive businesses? What about companies who have a specific market share and it's capital intensive, but the switching costs are low? I don't think capital intensity is the thing to think about because he uses Coke, which is not particularly capital intensive. Potentially something that relies on distribution, right? Um, but I don't know. I think you could use it on Google. I mean, there's a, there's a website out there that, that shows you all of the market share data in different markets. You could track that over time on Google and see, you know, is somebody actually uh, coming into Google's mode? For some reason, French people uh, used Bing for a little while in 2020. It lasted for like a month and then it went away. But yuck. <laughs> you, guys, you guys want to have worse information? Go ahead. <laughs> it is so like as, as distressing as it might be that Google sort of tampering with the results all the time. Anytime you go and try and use anything else, it's just like just complete gobbledygook. Dude, did you see the uh, the the Saul Price uh, thread that Bloomstram wrote up? So he was looking up Saul Price, who I guess merged his company into Costco, and he was like, "That's it. This is the top. Uh, I'm all my hits are Solana Price." It's like, well, obviously, dude, you're like the only fucking person looking for the guy that merged into Costco. No one else has cared about that for like thirty years, but. Uh, then the founder of, uh, what is it? Part of my ignorance. Is it Solana? Yeah. Solyndra is something different. Uh, <laughs> that guy changed his Twitter picture to Saul Price. And then Chris and him had like a back and forth. And uh, it was like very playful. It was like a great, uh, the internet won again. I thought it was fantastic. It's Twitter at its so, best. That's right. Uh, hats it's off been a little while. Those guys. Yeah, I thought they handled it. Uh, in the right way and then chris at the end of his uh he at the end of his back and forth he uh he signed off he said like bloomer boomer bloomstrand something like that i forget what he said but i loved how he he ended it it was all very it was in good fun he should have gone laser eyes for the end that would have been funny yeah that would have been he still can chris there's still time that'll be the top <laughs> Even if it's a joke. Uh, shoot your questions to us, dudes. We've got about 15 minutes. Uh, how do you value something that is growing top line but not profits? I hope that one day they will be fully grown and are able to eke out dude, a profit. 
to the moon. Well, yeah, you got to benchmark infinite. it, right? You benchmark it to what companies you think it can go to in the future. Walmart, and then I, you mean like base rates? <laughs> well, yeah, but dude, I think the problem with your base rate example is that you're, I think you, I think the Google base rate problem is a, uh, a sampling error. That's what I, that's what I think you suffer mm. from in that. I think if you're comping Google to all companies, it's fundamentally different. And I think that a more appropriate way to, to do it would be like, what did, I don't know, how long did Xerox last when Xerox was X years old and they were this percentage of their market or something like that? Uh, and I think that why the inside view on something like Google goes further than the base rate is like, I just, I mean, you talk about like your segment today about not knowing the future, like the amount that that company invests in its people acknowledges the idea that it needs other bets and moonshots to remain relevant for the future and facilitates an it like a culture of development and and ownership and uh getting to the truth like I, it's just not an average company it just isn't but I, I think for you know a software company you got to look at what do you think terminal margins are how big do you think the tam is how big do you think their market share is going to be and Good luck. I mean, it's a tough game, but it's one that can pay. That's yeah, really tough. I mean, you have a incredibly wide variance on what the future will hold for some of, for a lot of those kind of companies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the distribution of outcomes that I would assign is wider than most, which is why I have had fun staying poor. Well, and this is this goes back to way, way, way back in when we did a segment on the St. Petersburg. Uh, paradox, right? Which was that when you have something with potentially seemingly infinite upside, how much are you willing to wager on a coin flip for that? And some of these, I think, kind of suffer from St. Petersburg paradox where you can imagine scenarios and they may be totally like they could happen. It's potential. But when you go to try to handicap that and create an expected return, you end up with something kind of potentially asinine, even though mathematically it, it would pencil out. Where's your back screen, JT? That was a hike that we did yesterday with the fam up to the top of this hill. and uh, Oh, and that hellscape known as California? Yeah. Oh, I can't day. imagine why anyone would live there. That is beautiful. Yeah, pretty nice. The sky the was very great. cooperative in the morning. That's what you pay for. Yep. Uh, it's my happy place. That's why I put it up. I just I wanted to feel safe. IEP Berkshire IAC yeah. or Markel. What's the question? Uh, that, that's that's the question. That's that's all of it. IEP BRK IAC or MKL. Oh. I wouldn't go IEP because Carl's old as fuck. And I don't know that I could trust them. Uh, Berkshire, as much as I don't love to say that, I think you can probably apply the old comment to also. I guess I'd probably go with IAC, given where they play and what I think their current valuations are, but I don't own it. So shoot me, especially since I have a big, big position in Berkshire. Will I say that? And so I think I Markel is more sustainable because they're younger guys. IEP. So I think there are two questions here. I think it's IEP versus BRK. That's that's an so IEP has these goes on these monster runs. Go and have a look at IEP's chart. Runs runs all the way up and then runs all the way back down. Should probably say what again. that is. Yeah, sorry, that's ICANN's ICANN's little. Um, it's his partnership. Yeah. Yeah, what I do don't you, know, what, man. Like, what do you call he controls it? it. Yeah, you see, like it's. I got he, mad he love for Carl Icahn's career. Like, I I have nothing bad to say about that guy's career, but. I don't know that I want to be the minority partner in his right. public entity. He's been kind of quiet lately, huh? A little conspicuously absent. The he dog be not, up on ninety. Dog not barking. Not not everybody can be. Yeah, I, I, he I likes could to see get out there and mix it up, yeah. right? Not everybody can be as spry in their nineties as uh, as the two champs at BRK. Um, yeah, Berkshire is going to be certain um, slow growth. So Berkshire is the safest of the, the the lot, and then the question is IAC or Markel. So IAC is growth year internet stuff. Markel, 
I don't know, man. They own the IEC owns uh like that. It's is it Investopedia that they own? There's like that group of uh, I can't believe I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's like these like very staid internet properties that just tend to do well over time. It's it's pretty incredible that the properties do well. Uh, I trade them a little bit. They too. got Turo. Turo is like a legit product. I don't know, you know, how to value it because it's so young. But like, have you used it at all or looked into it? Turo. No. Yeah. So what you can it? rent you can rent people's cars. Uh, it's basically like Airbnb for cars. I prefer the, uh, the Uber model where you rent the driver at the same time. Yeah, no. <laughs> Carl's 85. Oh, apologies. Dot dash. This. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Wow. And what do I do um, with said car? I just go drive it around and then give it back to him? Yeah, you can rent like Maseratis. You can rent Teslas. You can rent a bunch of stuff. It's pretty cool concept for like prom or something what do you, what am i renting this car for <laughs> no if you for just want to drive like when, flex, when we, like drive around town i thought about doing it at richmond i didn't do it but i thought about uh, it all right i wouldn't mind driving somebody's maserati for like 100 bucks oh imagine renting at your maserati for 100 bucks yeah that's yeah, like and then paying them a clip for doing it tell you what those things depreciate in value quick it may Especially not be when you're renting them out. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Man. Uh, does knowing calculus there. make you a better investor is more basic math skills sufficient? Uh, in, I think uh, you got to have a general idea of statistics. I don't need, I don't know that you need to go into calculus. I don't think you need anything more than addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. I think you need stats. I really do. I think wow. you. I think at a minimum, you better have an idea of what probability curves look like. But that's mostly because that's how I think evaluation. Yeah, you should have a feel for it rather than uh, you don't need to be able to ca- calculate your student T distribution or something like that. Do you? No, but you know, I don't know. When I was, uh, I've looked at how many, like, how many standard deviations is this result outside of the normal result You've calculated. Uh, I've, done, I've done that oh yeah had no idea you, what i had no idea on, on raw data gotta put that cfa stuff to work sometimes <laughs> if excel no like i it. did it on uh on ralph loren i think it was in like 2017 or something like that um i've, d- I've done it a number of times ralph loren got cheaper ish over the last few years was that when it was cheap I don't know where it is now. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. It gave me uh it gave me the wrong signal on Netflix. Um but oh well, it's not perfect. Anybody know anything about shop? Like where 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 would you buy shop? Because shop's one of those things that I really love, but I I just think it's too expensive. But I saw it's come off quite a lot. So I just anybody got a uh, kind of minimum or maximum price they're prepared to swing at it there? No, I'd probably just buy a little over time and I saw they just signed a deal with uh, JD, which JD. What what a couple di- uh, what a difference a couple years makes for JD.com investors. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And then today you get a Shopify. Uh, same with Activision Blizzard, actually very similar. Yeah, what's one day you're dealing with rape, the next deal you're dealing with a Microsoft takeout. Yeah, what's it? Was it rape? Yeah. The, not, not JD.com too, except oh, it was at the, at the founder level. Yeah, Did that was like, the thing with Activision Blizzard. People were walking out because they said the CEO knew of rape. Uh, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kathy Woodstock's getting taken out and shot. Yeah, they still are. I do. Th- I, I will say about Microsoft. Uh, my first thought was that first of all, uh, obviously for the victims or whatever. I don't know what happened at Activision, but secondly, uh, Satya is a killer. Like that's a value investment. Mm. Uh, we'll we'll see if uh, if that gets through. Um, Antitrust. Yeah. But, allegedly, yeah. Let's just allegedly. Yeah. 
to all this yeah, stuff that's right. said before. Yeah. I haven't read that story. Yeah, um, man. When does Twitter catch a bid? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have, I have this theory. Actually, everybody should fade me on this because I think uh, I think advertising is going to get taken to the woodshed over the next two years, potentially. Uh, and that's a macro call and everyone should fade that. And it's probably time to get long advertising companies. Is that all advertising or is that online exempted from that? Uh, I think I think that uh, it's it's potentially all advertising, but that goes in my macro bucket. It's not underwritable, and I would I would fade that. But uh, Twitter is not gonna not gonna outperform in that. Trade disc is that one way to play that? Well, that would they would benefit sure. from play that. I'm, I'm starting to sound like yeah, you got <laughs> fast money or something like that. Jesus Kramer yeah. over here, Toby Kramer. <laughs> Favorite Peloton instructor, Alex Toussaint, obviously. Love Alex. Throw in the solitaire on Windows and it's a gaming monopoly. That's funny. <laughs> Minesweeper. Minesweeper was awesome. Yeah. You just gotta rapidly click the button and if you get a big, big open space, then you then you're good to go. Then you can put in the work. <laughs> yeah, I think Twitter, Twitter I, I mean, I don't know. Twitter. Twitter seems cheapish to me, thirty billion. I just, it's uh, it's been very, very frustrating to be inside of their experiments and see the lack of progress. Like, I I cannot fundamentally believe that I'm still waiting for the ability to have uh, private spaces for my super follows. And it, it like for me, like the whole way that they did that stuff, like really fucked me. And I, I think it was really stupid. Like I can't change the price offering. So I've got this price offering that's 10 bucks a month to deliver like literally no value to people. <laughs> and the only thing that I, that I thought that maybe I could do in a cool way is facilitate like private conversations and have like a little bit smaller of a, of a group to have spaces where like people maybe could be more free or they'd be more open with how they think because it's not open to everybody. And it's part of a community. I can't do any of it. I don't have a Slack function. They told me to like manage all that myself. Like why would, why would I go through the effort of building something on top of their platform when the answer is go do all of it yourself, just give us a take. And it's like, I don't understand why they can't close some of these loops. The upside it's is crazy to me. Sweet glasses, though. So I did get these and I appreciate the people over there. I appreciate them giving me a shot. But like, I mean, you got to call a spade a spade. They fumbled the ball, I think. I mean, I would start with just being able to search DMs. That would be a. <laughs> That's what they said yeah. to me. They were like, oh, you want a Slack function? You should have, uh, you should just do it in your DMs. And I was like, have you guys ever used your own DMs? Like you can't find anything in the DM no. chat. It's not, it's, it's unworkable. Yeah. I mean, so Blade is saying Discord. Well, like I don't want to have to start my own Discord. If I wanted to do that, I would just charge the $10 a month outside of Twitter and not pay Apple 30% and not pay Twitter eventually. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Do you want to handicap the ATVI uh, Microsoft trust risk there? No. There are really smart people that do that for a living. I am not one of them. But if you had to guess. This is a podcast, sir. Yeah. There's no, don't worry about that. I mean... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I think... Um, what do they feel about vertical integration? Because that's basically what's happening on Xbox plus those games. Yeah. But it's a fragmented say, market, right? It's only low, less than 5% market share. They're asleep at the wheel. There's no... Yeah. I mean, if that's the one that they're going to go after, of all of the stuff... That, of all the stuff, this is the one there. Probably. Probably. I don't know. You got... 
you don't have the most friendly administration to this stuff. I could see them. I could actually saying that they got their heads up their butts are actually a very good reason to argue that this gets blocked. I was kind of thinking about whether or not there's another company that could come over the top, but I don't think so. Mm. 65 billion is a lot of money. I see a uh, Twitter, you know, Jack Dorsey stepped away from running Twitter. Someone's got the, the comma here, Brent Dorsey stepping away personally. I like founder led business is better. Do you know what has vastly, imp- vastly improved since D- Jack Dorsey left Twitter is Jack Dorsey's Twitter account is yeah. excellent now. He's yep. just gone. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. It took him leaving to find Twitter. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. He like got all combative against people. He it got like really red pilled after the, the, the Twitter account is great. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's an inflationista. This is going to be interesting. I mean, the other reason this take is the wrong is like, okay, Steve Jobs is gone from Apple. Guess what happened? It went parabolic. Mm. I mean, you you can like like founder led companies. That's fine. But what happened to Google when they left? I I, th- I think that there's some good examples of founders stepping left. away and unlocking value. Haven't well, they they're not CEOs of up? Alphabet. Yeah, but they've got they've got they've got all the control. They control all the stock, right? All the other stock is just like coupons. Yeah, so they, but this, you got a different manager. In <laughs> yeah, but, but that's a human shield. Something goes bad, the manager gets shot, and those guys just sit in the background. They don't have to show up to the office. There's someone else in there. They got a good yeah. idea. They just pick up the phone and say, oh, "This is what we're implementing now. Go do that." That's, that's a good job. Sweet. That's a sweet yeah. job. <laughs> My advice would be to get a job like that. Do you think Jack can search DMs yet? Jack can search everybody's DMs. I don't think so. I think even Jack can search. He has those God mode. That's time, dudes. You lose stuff in DMs. Jack can't search no. what's lost. I can't. I can't even search. Our, I can't even search our DMs. That like we we've got one ongoing thing. I can't find what I want in that. This part of the reason I was late today. I mean, it's not the whole reason, but like a decent <laughs> amount is like I'm looking for the Zoom code. <laughs> I just need to save it somewhere else because every time I'm trying to find it, DMs, and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many DMs. It's too hard. Anyway, if you reach out to me on DM and I don't reach back out to you, this is part of the problem. Blame Jack. Yeah, that's right. Move with the Shake it up, stop when the clock gets 13. Sing one, two, three, four. Cause, cause, cause.